This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Metron Garage is a company designing unique garages, condos, and other structures specifically for the auto enthusiasts. They've got eight models to choose from, including two-story options, which I think is super cool, while with a very modern look and feel to them. And they come in all sizes, and they're fully customizable. You can check out them today and start specking your own ultimate garage at metrongarage.com, where you can request a catalog or talk to someone to learn more. So be sure to check it out. I just want to give a quick thanks to Euro Classics for sponsoring this episode. Euro Classics is all about collector cars, from servicing your new BMW M5 to prepping your Porsche for the racetrack to executing a total restoration on your favorite classic. They do it all from routine maintenance to performance upgrades to appraisals and everything in between. You can learn more about its owner, Dale Oaks, by listening to episode number 65 of this podcast. And you can find Euro Classics in the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana service area and online at euroclassics.com. Classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-X dot com. Hey, it's Greg with the Collector Car Podcast. We have a great guest today, a guy that really knows and loves cars, Gunther Berman. Gunther, how you doing? Very good. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And this is so cool because I've been wanting, you didn't know this, but I've been wanting to get you on the podcast for a couple of years now. And because your collection is actually the Newport Car Museum, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. Yep. And I went through your museum, your collection a couple times, and I was just blown away, not only by the scope of your collection, but the way it's presented is absolutely gorgeous. So you're up in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. Is that correct? Yeah. Actually, it's Portsmouth, about 10 minutes north of Newport, Rhode Island. Yeah. Okay. So what I'd like for you to do, and I will actually share my screen here so we can show our listeners and our viewers a little bit and pull up your website here. All right. So we've got your website up here and I know it's going to cycle through a couple of the pictures, but if you would tell us a little bit about how you got started in collecting cars, kind of what was that first car that caught your eye and then what started not only to collect such a good, amazing collection, but to share it with others, like the way, the way that you're doing it. I, I think I, my love of cars started uh, a long time ago, uh, actually pre-television, I think when, um, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of lying in front of the radio, listening to the Yankee game and, with a copy of National Geographic. And after I got through the, the uh, topless um, pictures of, of um, Native women, I, I came across uh, all the car ads that were in National Geographic at the time. And I, I think the Packard uh, company was the dealership for Mercedes-Benz. And I can distinctly remember seeing the, the Gullwing and um, what, what an amazing car that was at that time and taking right. a a piece of um, of uh, wax paper and putting it over and and drawing the car and I, I you know I just thought it was such a magnificent thing I'm I'm a bit of a uh, an art nut and a mid century modern nut and obviously a car nut and we've kind of embodied them all in in the museum here right. and um, you know I think it, it 
in some respects, what we have here is more of an art museum than a car museum or a combination of both, because um, a lot of art museum or a lot of car museums have um, velvet ropes around cars and, and big signs in front. And we really take the cars and put them on individual platforms without ropes and without um, security, so to speak. So people can look in the cars and uh, the platform sort of keep them at bay a, a bit and, uh, so it's they're, they're, It's basically like having sculptures out on on platforms and mixed in is obviously the mid-century furniture, so people can relax and take in the take in the views of uh, of not only the cars but some of the artwork that we have and things. So it's it's uh, it's great fun, I think, and and uh, it seems to have universal appeal. Right. Yes, it sure does. And what point did you say, you know what, I have a large collection of some sort and I would like to make a museum to share it with others. How, what was that process that you said, you know what, I really need to take this out into kind of the public forum? Everyone likes to blame their wife. So um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm also a pretty avid um, sailboat racer in um, a night in uh, 2016 or so. We were racing two boats pretty seriously. And I had about 20% of the collection. And I woke up one morning and I said to my wife, look, we're, we're spending a lot of time doing this. We're not a lot, a lot of time driving the cars. Why don't we just sell the cars? Or what do you think about doing a car museum? She goes, yeah, let's do that. That's, that, that would be really exciting. So I have to blame her for the, the inspiration of, of um, and it's what it's allowed me to do is, is continue my fascination with the, the artwork and the, uh, the design of cars and, and essentially buy things that I, I really like. And, and um, it's pretty eclectic at, at this point. We have seven galleries. We just did a, a pop-up Porsche gallery, which was our seventh in the event space because COVID has sort of restricted our ability to, to have events. And so we have a, a, a pop-up exhibit of, of just Porsches, which uh, seems to be um, of interest to a lot of people. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, you mentioned you have these different galleries, and I love how it seems like you're displaying them like they're in an art gallery. Correct? I mean, the way you presented them is just beautiful. Yeah, there's they're they're not just cars in a line; they're spread out over over each of the galleries. We're we're lucky we have a hundred fourteen thousand square foot building that was a, a former Patriot missile factory for Raytheon, and. Wow. Um, uh, they so we we um, we basically demoed the office space and we have um, 85 cars now on display um, throughout the the museum and as I say in addition to the uh, cars there's um, the artwork and the and the uh, mid-century modern furniture and things and there's like I said there's seven galleries the new pop-up Porsche gallery we have a Ford Shelby gallery that's Sort of exclusively those things, you know, everything from 427 Cobras to the new Ford GT and and uh, some some interesting Mustangs and and uh, cars of the era that have some history. Um, we have a the uh, a Corvette gallery which has uh, every Corvette except the new C C8. I'm waiting for the um, the hotter version to come out soon and and uh, for things to kind of settle down, but. Um, you know, everything starting from the C1 through the C7 and, and uh, then world cars of Jaguars, Porsches, um, 
Mercedes uh, and some Lambos and um, um, everything again from a from a new from a new McLaren a, a P1 to an Isetta in that gallery. Right. You know? Yeah, got a little bit. The car that say BMW, the refrigerator car, um, and then we have um, the FinCar gallery, which you know basically is uh, I always say that the Medici sponsored Michelangelo during the renaissance uh, to do those wonderful works of art after the second world war there weren't a lot of amenities around to sponsor these wonderful sculptors and designers and stylists and except the car companies and and they came out with these wonderful uh, american uh uh fin cars that that uh, you know sort of reflected the age with um with uh, obviously the fins from Right. The rocket age and and um, uh, the exhaust that looked like the tail ends of rockets. Fabulous time, and uh, then we have uh, a Mopar section that has uh, uh, you know Hemi Cudas from the seventies and and uh, Vipers and uh, and uh, uh, Superbirds and and uh, then a, a muscle car area that that has um, uh, again some some of the fabulous uh, Chrysler products as well as uh, you know Chevy 454s and and Challenger Hemis and and uh, 409 Chevys and things like that so lots of lots of good stuff I think yeah yeah we do want to talk about 10 in particular so what I like to do is to run through these 10 kind of figure out why did you want these in your collection you know for what reason did you pick these particular cars and I do like to integrate the Haggerty data. So I have some Haggerty uh, valuation data just to kind of see how they're doing in the one, three and five year market, just for fun. Uh, okay. So I know seven of these cars were seven cars you picked to represent seven decades. So let's start with the oldest to the newest. So why don't you tell us about the 1954 Kaiser Darren, why you picked that to represent the fifties? Well, um, I have to say my father was a, an interesting car buyer um, he inevitably bought every car that went out of business. We had a Kaiser, we had a Fraser, <laughs> we we had a, um, a um, an Edsel, a Mercury. <laughs> um, I have a Soto, so we we have all the marks that are that are that have sort of gone out of gone out of business. But this was a very special car designed by the guy who did all that all that swoopy stuff in the pre-war era in France that. Uh, Henry J. Kaiser um, uh, hired to design uh, sort of a, a, a marquee car for um, those rounded things that he was he was building after the Second World War. Decided to go into the car business, and um, so the history is kind of interesting. He went in, and Darren had done the mock-up of the car, and right. I guess Henry J. Kaiser said it was the ugliest thing he'd ever seen. But his wife was next to him, pulled on his sleeve, and said, "We're building that car." So I think they built 270 of them and went out of business. But the most interesting thing is obviously the doors that slide into the front fenders, which are just remarkable. And the and the design again is 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 sort of swoopy French uh, uh, that uh, that uh, bespoke of, of of Darren and what kind of a designer he was at the time. So it's a it's a work of art as well as a kind of a, a cool history of so. yeah, fun and it's rare. Okay. Well, 1965, for the 60s, you picked the 1965 Ford Shelby 427 SC Cobra. Obviously, that's the big dog of the Cobras. So 
Why'd you pick that car? And I know that one's in a special spot in your Shelby room there. It's a Shelby 427 SC Cobra, one of 31, I guess. Yep. I don't have to say anything more. I mean, it's the great, greatest 60s car ever, I think. You know, it, uh, it was uh, uh, such a remarkable car, you know, mating big horsepower American V8 with a essentially a British uh, little car and, and went like hell. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. That's for sure. And I'm a big Mustang Shelby guy, so I'm very familiar with those. All right, for the 70s, you picked the 1979 Porsche 930 Turbo. I love those with the big whale tail out back. Why'd you pick that car for the 70s? Well, because there were because it was the K car era. The you know the worst year in, yeah. in cars when emission controls came, and there was nothing in in that era other than the, the Chrysler minivan and or the Plymouth and the and the Dodge minivan, and uh, I, I think the. The uh, 76 um, Cadillac Eldorado Baritz convertible, which was 500 cubic inches, put out 150 horsepower or something like yeah. that. So it was it was a it was a an era of um, trying to figure out how to put emission control in cars. And um, other than smoking the bandit cars, I don't think anything was very significant in the 70s. Other than than the the turbo um, Widowmaker. The right. 79 Porsche. And and I had a black tan one and I've always wanted a silver red one and it just came up recently and now that's in the collection. Oh, good. That's a great color yeah. combination. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or so forth, right interior. All right. For the 80s, you picked the Lamborghini Countach, 1989. I think that's the 25th anniversary model, isn't it? Yes. Yes. A again, the 80s were um, kind of a dry spell for, for performance cars while they were still trying to work out the, um, the issues of, uh, of uh, mission controls and things. And um, the, the car that, um, you know, everyone had a picture on the wall with that car and Farrah Fawcett was, uh, was the Lambo, which was just the most outrageous yeah. uh, design car that I, I think, um, and supercar that came along. It's interesting. We have it in the museum next to the patent um, Benz, the, first car we have a replica of the of that first car and the two of them next to each other you can just see see what happened in a hundred years of car development now isn't that lambo isn't that pretty close to the entrance and isn't it a red car with a green background yeah but opposite side of the color the yeah. color yeah, I, really, yeah. I remember that it really did quite the snapshot on me when i walked in there i was like wow that's really impressive and for my listeners, you can go to my Instagram feed at the Collector Car Podcast and scroll back a couple of years and you'll see these pictures, but I'll I'll try and repost them again so they pop up sooner in my feed. All right, for the 1990s, this is a very interesting car, somewhat unappreciated until recently, the 1993 Jaguar XJ220. Now, why'd you pick that car? Well, again, sort of an interesting history. It, it came out in the late 80s as going to be another 12-cylinder E-type and I, the Skunk Works at Jaguar was putting it together and uh, um, people uh, put, I think, a $50,000 deposit to, to buy that car. And, and at the last minute, they changed it to a six of all right. things, but a 540 plus horsepower uh, six. It was a heck of a car. Couldn't be imported in the U.S. because of all kinds of restrictions. So the cars went all, all over the world and luckily, luckily some of them came back. It was at that time before the um, the F1 
McLaren it was supposed to be the fastest car in the world. And that's why the XJ220 was supposed to go 220 miles an hour, which was went to 217 close. Oh, but it's not the XJ217, it's the XJ220. <laughs> that was hope, hope. Yeah, unlike I, th I think unlike German cars that understate, I think the, the British cars overstate a little bit. <laughs> right, right, right. Yep. And now for the 2000s, you have actually it's cheating a little bit because it's 2015, but the Porsche 918 Spider. Now that's one you did have that when I went when I visited you, and that was right in the center of your European cars, pretty much. Right. 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 We've now replaced it with a P1 and a and a Senna, but it's still on that uh, on that on that platform. I, a special car. I mean, yeah. you know, one of the trifecta that uh, people talk about of uh, that all the car the the supercar manufacturers put together in in that era and and um, an unbelievable car, unbelievable technology, um, and beautiful. Uh, in in every respect, I, I think if, if you're if you're if you like sculpture, but you also like automobiles, it's a, a very special looking looking car and uh, 887 horsepower. I, what else can I say? It's right. crazy. It's crazy. You know, not only does it take your breath away when you see it, if you if you put it in launch mode, it takes your breath breath away sort of 60 we have a pretty large parking lot here and we uh, occasionally we take them out and take our breath away by putting them out there yes yeah yeah and one thing i love about your museum is i guess the 918 is a good example is you have that car but you go back to the 911 you know kind of the lineage of these cars and i also love it because you have a 300 sl gullwing and not far from it you have the uh slr you know the Mercedes McLaren right. SLR, and I actually have a great shot where I caught both of them together. I think you, you can see the SLR through the Gullwing, you know, passenger side, you know. So yeah, well, yeah. it isn't a Gullwing; it's a Roadster. Roadster. I'm I'm, okay. I'm, I'm hunting a Gullwing, but you're hunting. Okay, uh, all right. Yeah, we yeah. have. I, I have another a Roadster, a black red one that um, I'm I'm trying to trade for for a Gullwing at this point. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just cool to see. Now the two of them together, like you yeah. say, are, it's just amazing. They're both silver red and and you, you can just see the 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 grandson of uh, right. of, of, of the 300 SL, yeah. Yeah, all right, well, let's move to the 2010s, the 2019 Corvette ZR1, obviously the king of the mountain when it comes to Corvettes, at least for now, right? Right, I mean, the last, Front engine, um, 755 horsepower, um, crazy wings, and all kinds of stuff go going on. I, I, I think those cars are for Cor Corvette lovers is the last of uh, obviously the front engine, but also last of that era of of what was going on at uh, at America's only real sports car right now. So, right. Um, and I think the new one is fabulous, but it's not a front-engine Corvette. Right, right. Yeah, once they get, well, you get the Z06, you're waiting for the ZR1, you're waiting for the Zora or whatever they're coming out with? There's probably the Zora. I, if, if um, I I had a, an interest in, in another uh, last year's ZR1, a coupe, but I've just rolled it over to whatever whatever they come out with. I, I think it's supposed to be a Z06. I'm not sure. All right. Well, I wanted to have 10 cars from your museum. Obviously, we could have 80 cars, but I did want to add three more. Now, I picked these for very specific reasons. I told you I was a Mustang Shelby guy. And mm -hmm. I think the thing that most impressed on me when I toured 
was the fact that you had a 65 Shelby GT350R model, which is one of what, 36, 37 ever made. Yeah. You had the 2015 version, which I'm sure there's other collections that have both, but that was the first time I had ever seen both together. And so that impressed me the most because you had the original and then you had one of the very few 2015 models. So tell us about those cars and why they're in your uh, in your collection. Well, they're, they're actually they're very special in that um, I did some history on our our three fifty our sixty five um, GT three fifty R car, and th there's a whole list of where those cars went. Some of them went to Peru, and obviously they were raced everywhere. Um, and um, when the two thousand fifteen came, you know I think most of those went to um, Ford people, um, but I, I found one and we acquired it and I found out that the build number of the 2015 is number 20, which is exactly the build number of the, of the 65 that we have. Uh, so it really is, it really is the grandson of, of, uh, of that car. And, and, uh, and so that's, that's very special. And, um, I, you know, obviously the history of Shelby, uh, Lee Iacocca twists in Shelby's arm to take the secretary's car and make it into a, right. <laughs> a race car and, and take on the Corvettes was, uh, was obviously significant history-wise. And those cars right out of the box were pretty potent in, in SCCA B and, and uh, uh, the, the, the 2015s is a special car as well. Yeah, it is. It is. And then the last car I picked was my own personal. I love Mustangs. I love convertibles. I love hypos. And you have a 65 hypo Mustang convertible. And I was really curious because it's not a GT. So I wanted to know what was the story behind that beautiful black car? Well, in, in the summer of 1964, I was at a, a, a park in Buffalo, New York, an amusement park riding the Ferris wheel or the, the roller coaster backwards and doing all those kinds of things. And somebody pulled in with a blue, white interior, 64 and a half Mustang. And I, it, it was drop dead gorgeous. Right. I said, someday, right. someday I might be able to afford one of those cars. And I've hunted it for 30 years. And finally, um, I think Hendrick redid a car and, and, and so I, I found it at an auction and, and, and picked it up. It's beautiful. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I said, I get through some numbers here. So let's, I want to run through a couple of the numbers. I know that this doesn't matter to you because you're all about collecting them and having them in the museum, but I'd like to look at the Haggerty change uh, percent change over one, three and five years, mostly to let people know when they need to buy something while it's still affordable. <laughs> so this is a crazy time, by the way, I, I, I car prices have just gone nuts. During COVID, I think. Yeah, they really have. And a lot of this, a lot of your stuff might be slightly down because I'm comparing it to the, the peak of 2015. But some of the stuff is up recently. The Kaiser Darren's actually up 8% the last year, which is interesting because that's a pretty small car or a produced car. You don't see a lot of those passing by. The uh, your, big, your big Shelby Mustang is pretty much flat this year. But when you look at it over five years, it's up 11%. And those things are always on the top of everybody's list. The, the Porsches have been soft lately, but one thing I've noticed is they've gone from declining, you know, like this to, to like like that, you know, so they're definitely uh, headed back on on the upswing because they, they were just going nuts there for a couple of years. Uh, the right. Especially especially the air-cooled, especially yeah. the air-cooled. Right? Air-cooled for sure. Lamborghini has been pretty flat, but hanging in there. The Jaguar X20 has actually appreciated the last one, three and five years. 
So that one's been slowly gaining momentum. Like I said, that, you know, that's been overlooked for years and people are finally realizing what a special car that is. Um, other kind of interesting notes, the Hypo Mustang has actually been pretty strong the last three and five years up double digits. So people appreciate those great cars. And uh, obviously you do as well. So uh, I do have to ask, we know you're looking for a C8 and we know you're looking for a Gullwing. Is there anything else on the list that you're chasing right now for the museum? It, it's important that we stay kind of current. And I'm starting to think that 54 is getting a little long in the tooth. We, you know, the kids love to come and see, they love Lambos. Yeah. And you now, you know, maybe, you know, an adventure uh, Lambo or uh, uh, the, the Gullwing is one that I, I, I just uh, continue to kind, kind of hunt. I yeah. think that, by the way, I think that the, the, the uh, GT, the 2015 GTR is, is doing pretty well these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but I, 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 I did a, a rundown for my insurance company recently about stated values and things, trying to figure out exactly where things are. And that's the only time I really, I really kind of take a look at these things. And, right. and uh, like, this, like you say, some go up and, and some go down and some are, are, are decent in, in investments, but it's sort of like uh, having art on your wall. You, unless right. you sell it, it doesn't matter. You know? It doesn't matter. You enjoy it when you walk by it and you drive it. Now, which one is your favorite one to drive? Is there a particular one or you just try to exercise them all as much as you can? Well, it's whatever the latest one I drove. I, I, I have to admit, I, I have two GT, uh, GT2 RSs. Okay. And um, I'm a pretty big guy. And the first one I bought, you know, they have those, single uh, um, race seats in them yeah, from the 918, those right? seats. I, I, I spent about 15 minutes in the car and my butt really hurts. So <laughs> I hunted all over and I, I, I found one with 18-way comfort seats. I also found a, a Speedster that had 18-way, uh, Miami Blue Speedster that has 18-way oh, butt. And those are the cars I really do like to drive right now. They're just Right. The Speedsters is manual, and the and the the GT2 RS is um, amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's just an amazing car. Yeah. Right. What year? Well, that would be like a 18, 19. Yeah. Yeah. 18. Yeah. 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 yeah the the Speedsters are 19. Okay. Well, uh, one thing I like to do at the end, and I think I gave you a heads up. I'm pretty sure I did. Is I play a little game called Keep Cash and Crush. So now I give you three cars, and you have to tell mm -hmm. me which one you're going to keep forever which one you're going to cash in and fortunately, which one you're going to crush. <laughs> now, usually I don't pay. I, I, wait a minute. I have, three, I have three kids. You can't do this. Do <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I usually, I don't pick cars in collections, but your collection is so large. I did actually pick cars. I didn't pick, you know, like a 918 or the GT 350 R anything like that. So here are the three cars, uh, 1969 Ford Mustang boss 302. It's one of my favorites of all time. Uh, 2005 Ford GT, another one of my favorites. And then we're going back a ways here. Now the 1957 Chrysler 300C convertible. So those are your three cars, the 69 Boss 429, the 2005 Ford GT, and the 57 Chrysler 300C convertible. So which one will you keep forever? Which one are you going to cash in? And then unfortunately, which one are you going to send to the crusher? Hopefully I made it hard on you. It is, it is hard. Um, I, I I think the um, 
the Shelby, the Shelby, um, the boss Mustang, the, 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 yeah, the boss 302. Ford 429. The, 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 did you say the 429? Yeah. Boss 429. Oh, oh forget it. No, <laughs> I, I thought you said the other one. I thought the 302. No, 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 no. Um, I, wow. Wow. Probably the, probably the, the Chrysler would be crushed. Okay. Um, to do the pain, the, the most painful one first. So rip the bandaid off. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, I, not that I would ever do that, but right. Um, probably sell the Ford GT because they're that's yeah. You can get another one of those, and keep keep the Boss Nine. All right. What do you love about the Boss Nine so much? Um, well, I like the history of you know how they decided to do that. Um, right. You know, to get an engine for NASCAR, but put it in a Torino, not in a Mustang, and you know. Um, KK putting putting fixing up the cars instead yeah. of refrigerators to put that engine in. It's it's a when we have hoods up here, everybody hangs around that engine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a wonderful engine and wonderful car for sure. Well, I appreciate your time today. I know the best way to folks can check out your museum at the newportcarmuseum.org. Is there another way that they should reach out to you? You can call. It, you know, look at our website and, and give us a call. We're, we're open um, 10 to 5 every day. We're open all weekend and, and things. We, we, um, we love to have people come. This is a, 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 a very difficult time for people with COVID and with politics and with what's going on in the world, etc. And it's wonderful to come here and forget about all that stuff and talk cars. We have some docents here that love to chat with people about things and and we leave all that other stuff at the door and it's just a, a, a wonderful people spend probably an hour to two hours here and, and um, walk away with a smile I always I have a guarantee that if you come here and you don't see a car that you like I'll give you your money back again Gunther thank you so much for your time today I appreciate you being on the clutch car podcast well thanks for, thanks for having me I, I appreciate our chat Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.